Hey, hey, hey. What is up, y'all? Welcome back. Episode 7 of the Sooner the Better podcast from your hosts. I'm Jackson. He is Blake. I'm I'm Blake. Yep. He's Blake. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so episode 7, recording it a little bit later here on this this Saturday morning. was watching crazy, crazy March Madness game, North Carolina Baylor. Went to OT. uh, North Carolina ended up hanging on there for the win, so... Man, March Madness is just my favorite time of year. To be honest, I I love it. I love it so much. This is this is really the first year I've actually sat down and watched a lot of the games. I was watching a lot of them yesterday and the day before while I was working, because uh, why not? And uh, yeah, it's been it's a lot of the games are extremely exciting. Most of them are, are really competitive. Uh, so I'm excited. My my Arizona Wildcats. They uh, they pretty much dominated their game last night, so I'm excited to see uh, yep. what they're able to do. I do I do have them picked to win it all. Um, they're just really really good on all aspects of the game. Score all over the floor, but yeah, man, I just I love watching it. It's uh, super exciting to watch all the upsets. It's especially fun to like make your bracket and just watch it absolutely shit the bed on the first day. <laughs> but mine didn't do too bad. If it wasn't for the ups- if it wasn't for the upset over Iowa yesterday, I would have had the entire right side of the bracket perfect. So I'm not doing too bad. Not bad yeah, at all. So, yeah, yeah. So today uh, we're gonna be going into, as always, new business. Talk about a few things that uh, what what little you know new business has popped up recently um, regarding Oklahoma football. It's been pretty pretty straight arrows so far nothing new cropping up um and then we're gonna go do uh our main segment which is gonna be all things dylan gabriel just kind of talk about what um quarterback play is gonna look like this year and how we think he's gonna do and stack up you know compared to past ou quarterbacks and then we're gonna do our what are the odds and take it or leave it segment so we're gonna jump right into it with new All right, so starting with new business, um, just wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, John Shoop on Twitter. I think that's how you say it, John Shoop. Um, this dude runs this page um, called the Oklahoma Twitter Follow Train. Um, so basically, it takes like you know people that post a lot of content about OU football or support the program or our content creators like us, and uh, just kind of like gives them gives them some exposure. He made a post about us yesterday. We gained like. Um, almost like 35 new followers. Um, oh, nice. A bunch of people watched the last episode, so it was pretty cool. So shout out to shout out to John. That was huge, um, especially since we're kind of trying to build things, so we appreciate it. Um, the biggest topic surrounding Oklahoma football that, you know, pertains to recently is obviously Baker has requested a trade from the Browns and is looking to part ways. However, the Browns have stated that um, – they don't want to trade Baker. They don't want to release him, um, especially like, and, and it's probably because is you know no longer an option for Cleveland. So. Uh, so that is actually that is actually not true. The Watson trade is all but packaged up. So, um, according to the Athletic, this was yesterday. Um, Watson is headed to the Browns um, along with a 2024 fifth round pick uh, in exchange for three first round picks, a 2022, 2023, 2024, 
plus the 2023 third round pick and a 2024 fourth round pick. So Brown, uh, Watson to the Browns is basically all but done, um, wow. which leaves Baker in a curious situation. Um, yep. are, they gonna, are, are they going to keep him on? I mean, since he is still on a rookie contract, are they going to keep him? Are they going to try and leverage him and trade him? I think it opens up a, a whole lot of different scenarios at well, this point. Yeah, I think, I mean, they, they have, they can either pay him his 19 million right now or let another team do it. I imagine with Deshaun Watson coming in, they don't want to keep him around as a backup um, and, you know, finish out paying this rookie contract. Uh, so I, I think the top destination for him right now would be Indianapolis, especially since they just got rid of Carson Wentz. So they're definitely in the market for a quarterback. Um, and now that Baker's gotten the shoulder surgery and is coming off injury, um, he is definitely definitely a valid option for them. But I yeah, I didn't know that Deshaun Watson was was top from what I had heard. Uh, like the last thing that I had seen was like you know he was he had kind of left Cleveland out of his top three teams that he was gonna um, you know have negotiations with. But that's, yeah, that's it's crazy. Uh, apparently it's the I want to say it's the it's the largest guaranteed contract in NFL history. I want to say it's something like 230 or 280 but guaranteed. So no, really? no incentive perks. Yeah, it's it's a massive massive contract. That to me is a terrible deal for the Browns. I I'm not big on Deshaun Watson. I don't I don't think he he's definitely not 230 million dollars good. Um that that is a that is a tough deal for the Browns in my opinion. We'll see. I think I think the Browns just watching, you know, because obviously we're we're more Cowboys fans, um, but we like the Browns because of Baker. Yeah. Um, the the fan base was tough on him, and a lot of the issues. I don't think they I don't think they really respected what he came in and did. Like the yep. Browns were ass forever. They were asked forever. I mean, a, an absolute QB carousel every single year. It was a revolving door. They were lucky if they got two wins. And he came in and they were playoff contenders. Um, yeah. And, I mean, it's – I feel like there's a lot of disrespect just because maybe he had a little bit of a – he had a sophomore slump and then he got hurt. He played with injuries all last year. Um, right. So, I, I feel like their fan base was really just – extremely unforgiving on him for considering what he did, um, you know, mm -hmm. in his first two years. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it, uh, it kind of, I mean, I know obviously the situation's newer, but it kind of like reminds me of the Tony Romo situation, how the, the Cowboys fan base kind of started to, um, I guess like put some like, like outcast him uh, whenever he started going through those lower back injuries, even though, you know, he had, given the Cowboys some incredible years. But yeah, I mean you just you just look at the situation he came into and you know pe people people are really quick to say that these, you know, early round one draft pick quarterbacks are bad, but I mean you look at the teams that they're getting drafted. I mean they're they're getting drafted to the most struggling teams in the NFL. Most of the time these are franchises that, you know, haven't had a, you know, over 500 season in you know, a decade or something like that. So well, and a lot of a lot of it also with pro programs, it's not like any of these teams lack lack talent. I mean, they all have insane talent. So when you when you look at the difference between a, a Cleveland and then a, a, an organization that's constantly on top, like in New England, 
-hmm. lot of that has to do with front office, front office and coaching staff. And so when something's fundamentally busted with a team's front office, I mean, that's why the New York teams are bad constantly. They're just bad because their front offices are so fucked. Um, And in Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland and Detroit are the two absolute worst um, historically, you know, over the past 20 years. And so for, for him to even be able to come in and do what he did, I think was, was astounding. Um, You know, I mean, obviously Baker is not a top five or top 10 quarterback in the league right now, but he's a, he's a starting quarterback. I mean, he's, he's definitely, he's not the worst quarterback in the league. And so I think, I think if he ends up in Indianapolis, I think he could do really well there. That's a great team that they have put together. Um, I think if they can, plug him in at quarterback you know i think they could have a lot of success so yeah yeah Yeah, especially with the success that they had in the run game this year with that line and uh uh jonathan taylor but yeah Yeah. i mean you just you look at the situation he can't i mean you can it's easy to discount these guys that go into these struggling for i mean it happened to baker happened to johnny menzel it's happening to trevor um, and Zach Wilson and all these guys that get drafted super early as we speak. But then it's easy to go and look at a guy like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson that gets drafted later in the first round to these blooming franchises and look at their success and be like, oh, well, why couldn't he do that? Well, it's a different – it's a completely different situation. But, I mean, you look at what he did and even just one seed – I mean, they were trending in the same direction they always had been under Tyrod Taylor when he came in. It just um, it just turned the whole thing around. So, yeah. I yeah, I and it's and it's it's also there's something to be said. I mean, you talk about like a, a Patrick Mahomes going to an organization with Andy Reid, and um, you know he got to he got to learn under a veteran quarterback um, and in Alex Smith, and like he he was put into the perfect situation. He didn't have to play the first year. Mm-hmm. He, he got to sit back. He got to learn the system. He got to see the league. Um, you know, great offensive line. So it's a completely different game when you come in like that and you're basically just put in this little pod that you're allowed to mature in versus being thrown out onto the streets and like, okay, you go fight for some wins. Like you're going to take a beating, you're going to get injured. You're going to, you know, you don't have tools. You don't really have weapons. Um, I think also, and this is probably somewhat controversial. I think OBJ and him didn't get along. And so OBJ just didn't give a shit. And he didn't play with a whole lot of passion yeah. with yeah. Baker. Um, and so it was basically just Baker and, and Jarvis Landry, um, yeah. you know, trying to make the, and obviously the Browns had an amazing run game, but, uh, and they still do have an amazing run game with Nick Chubb, but, but I, on those passing downs or when they would put themselves in passing situations, Baker didn't have a whole lot of tools to work with and he took hits like crazy. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I hope I hope he ends up in a better situation. Yep. If you, I think Indianapolis is the perfect fit for him. You put him, you put him in there with an O line like that, especially having the healthy arm now and having that run game. Um, he's gonna do good things. But you know, OU fan base will always will always support him. Um, it's just one of those situations where you don't necessarily know where the problem lies, and everybody's so quick to blame the quarterback. Um, yeah. But moving on, um, Creed Humphrey is now the highest-rated offensive rookie since 2014. He has been rated higher than Odell Beckham Jr., Justin Jefferson, and Alvin Kamara, who obviously are three, you know, 
you'd think Hall of Fame level players. Um, so I just kind of wanted to like just obviously you know give him a you know super high level of credit for you know what he was able to achieve in his first season, especially at the center position. It's really hard to do at the O line position to be rated that highly since you're not you know a skill player. Um, but just and then obviously just talk about you know how important he was to OU. Yeah, I mean. I think it, it says a lot to how much talent he had um, to receive any sort of recognition as, I mean, cause O linemen, you know, D linemen, even to a degree when you have like edge rushers or um, even interior guys, but that are real dominant, you know, there's, there's a lot of stats that you can follow that make them stand out. If you have like a, a miles Garrett, who's just like a sack machine, um, you know, even as, as a lineman, you can, you're, somewhat in the in the spotlight but centers get almost no praise like offensive linemen get basically no praise at all um except for as like a unit you talk about like a team's offensive line is good but you don't Mm -hmm. usually single out individual players yeah i mean the fact that he was a pro football focus um rated him the highest rated center in the league as a rookie and that's i mean that's absolutely insane um You know, he was he was all rookie team. I believe he was a Pro Bowl. Um, yep. He was a Pro Bowl alternate, um, yep. which I think a lot of people thought that was kind of a kind of a scoff because he should have been the starter. Um, yeah, I mean, he's Creed Humphrey was amazing. He was amazing for OU. I mean, he was he was an integral reason that our offensive line was as good as it was during those mm-hmm. years and i think we we felt the sting of not having him there this year yeah no for sure he because i mean when he came in and was a starter th- th- that was at a time when we had just lost literally one of the best offensive lines in college football history i mean we lost drew samaya at center uh orlando or i'm sorry cody ford at center drew samaya orlando brown um all those guys were gone and he came in and definitely took a huge role and, like, kept our offensive line consistent. Like, we still had one of the best in the country, and he was a big reason for that. And, I mean, just – And if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he started for us as a freshman, didn't he? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it says a lot about him. Everyone just praises his, his football IQ, his athleticism. Um, he's a left-handed center. Um, and, and there was always a stigma that for whatever reason, left-handed centers couldn't play in the NFL. And he's, I mean, I think he's going to go on to be probably one of the best centers of all time. Yeah, no, he he's, he's on track to do that for sure. Cause I mean, and you look at how difficult that position is to play. It's one of the most complex positions in football. I mean, you're, you're largely responsible for the snap count and keeping the team on tempo. So you mean, aside from the quarterback, you're really, the one in charge of everything that's going on on the, on the, um, with the tempo your team's playing at, you're really the only, only player that's guaranteed to touch the ball every down. And, um, you just have to be incredibly smart to play that position. Not only that, you're usually lined up in front of the other team's strongest player. So, yeah, um, you have to be athletic. You have to be really smart. So it's one of the toughest positions in my opinion to play on the field. And, uh, he's doing, he's doing really, really good shit. So, Definitely praise to him. Yep. Um, so moving on, I did want to talk about this real quick. Um, this is kind of like a, a touchy subject because I, I never want to, you know, crap on a good player. But um, OU Fan Nation has done this thing where they've released like a different player that they believe is going to do like be on the starting roster. And 
um, give a little like, I guess, um, synopsis of like their career and how they're playing and how they think they're going to play the upcoming season. And uh, they listed Eric Gray as a starter at running back. I I don't think he's going to start, which is why I wanted to talk about it. Um, I just I, I think Marcus Major works better as a pure halfback, like a true running back. Um, not to say that Eric Gray had a bad season, but just the yardage he was getting out of every play was inconsistent. Obviously, he only had two two touchdowns um, rushing. Obviously, he, he was playing under Kennedy Brooks, so he didn't get as many snaps as like he would starting. But um, I just see Marcus Major as a better true running back. I could see Eric Gray being like an elite hybrid back, like a utility guy, because um, he was really, really good in the passing game. But I just don't see him being used as heavy as a like pure runner in uh, you know a Jeff Levy offense. See, so I would I would have to disagree with you there, um, and and I'll, and I'll tell you why for for two main reasons. So one, Marcus Major did not really get any play time last year. I think he had fifteen total touches the entire season, um, and. I mean, this, this, the numbers were, were fine. Again, yes, he was, he was, I guess, technically the three back behind Kennedy and then, and then Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, but numbers-wise, even in 2020 when he did have elevated touches, I think he had like 35 touches, averaged 5.3 per touch. Um, you know, I mean, obviously they're going to utilize both guys, but – I think in a in a Jeff Levy offense that is going to probably bring in a lot of that West West Coast um, influence, where you have a lot of motions, maybe a lot of like swing passes, mm-hmm. um, uh, swinging gates, things like that. I think I think someone like Gray will actually be more utilized. And you, you're right; he was last year inconsistent. Um, especially when you look at to me for running backs, what you want to look at is their is their averages per mm-hmm. per game? You know, obviously, dirt, near the the red zone, we were going to put in Kennedy Brooks. He was a more patient runner. Um, he was a he was a little bit more um, physically imposing, and he could yeah. he could move the ball into the end zone. But um, with with Gray, I think he had he had a lot of games where he was averaging five, six, seven, eight yards per touch. Um, yeah. with not with not very many touches um, and his with that he had a lot of games where he was he was popping off runs for 20 yards 30 yards 15 yards 40 yards and so I think um, I, I think he'll be more utilized I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's a starter um, again I think they'll utilize both guys though so it's not mm-hmm. really going to matter we've always kind of generally had like a two running back system anyway yeah yeah, I, I, I don't think that he's necessarily going to get fewer touches than Marcus Major. It's just in the true, I, I see Marcus Major as being like he's he's got good speed, but he's also a power back. I, I could see, and this is gonna be, this is gonna sound like me kind of. You know, I have a man crush on Rodney Anderson. I'm just gonna say it, but I see I see Marcus Major being the the run half of that player in Rodney Anderson and. And then using Eric Gray as kind of the um, receiver side. I mean, because obviously Rodney Anderson was just absolutely elite at both. But I mean, I see Eric Gray getting, you know, roughly half the snaps 
and um, but just being super deadly upfield because I mean that that's what Rodney Anderson was great at faking those blocks, running little wheel routes, and getting outside, getting to the sticks. Um, so I mean I, I don't I, I think we're going to use him. I think he's going to be really good. I just don't see him as the starting running back because I just don't see him as the best true running back on the team, if that makes sense. I mean, looking back at his 2020 stats in Tennessee, just because that was when he was starting, obviously, you look 157 carries for 772 yards and four touchdowns rushing. Um, But then you look at his efficiency in the pass game, 30 receptions for 250 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so like from an efficiency standpoint, way better catching the ball than running the ball. Um, but you know, I still think, I still think he's going to be super good next year. Yeah. I I mean, I think like, again, it'll, it'll be a good split, um, between the two guys. And again, neither of them have had an opportunity to really, um, to bear the majority of the, of the snaps, Mm -hmm. Um, so as their usage goes up, you know, there's a chance that one guy will end up, I mean, most likely one guy will step up as the, as the alpha, as the dominant dude. And then that'll be our guy. Um, but I think yeah. we'll definitely utilize both of them quite a bit. For sure. Um, and then moving on, um, just to finish out new business, OU men's basketball, um, obviously in the, is, is the, is the one overall seed in the NIT tournament. Um, we beat who did we beat Missouri state, Missouri state. Yeah. So Missouri. No, no. Okay. I'm thinking of Montana. Yeah. Missouri state um, tomorrow moving on to play St. Bonaventure. So shout out men's team. Wish they would have made the big dance, but you know, we'll, we'll get there once we get, once we get some more talent in the door. Yeah. And then um, also spring ball starts this week officially. So I'm going to get into like full padded practices going through the playbook um, guys are going to start learning the new system in depth and start getting ready for the spring game. So definitely super excited about that. And then moving on to our main segment, um, we're just going to kind of be talking all things Dylan Gabriel. Um, obviously, he's he's in a really unique position right now uh, to build a legacy in you know, the one year he's going to have at Oklahoma. Um, his, his situation is really similar to Jalen Hurts in that he's coming in as a three-year starter from a different school, um, but then played, you know, a shorter season in his third year. Jalen Hurts was due to, um, obviously, Tua coming in and being the starter. Dylan's was him getting hurt. Um, but the difference is, obviously, this is, you know, a point of huge transition with a completely new coaching staff and a completely different team. So Dylan Gabriel, to me, has a real opportunity here to um, – you know, build like a really unique legacy as an OU quarterback. Yeah. Um, I think with Dylan Gabriel, unlike Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts came in, obviously he different personality types, very different builds uh, and quarterback styles. Um, Dylan Gabriel is going to come in with more of a Baker ish chip on his shoulder. Um, Mm -hmm. He is a little bit of a smaller guy. For a quarterback, uh, he plays kind of similar to to Baker. Uh, very, very chippy. Kind of, you know, he's able to make plays when there's nothing there. Um, doesn't necessarily have elite speed um, or what would be considered an elite arm, but he does. Um, 
he 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 does make good throws. He's he's an accurate mm-hmm. passer. I think something that's interesting. I was just kind of looking over the stats for him, and obviously the twenty twenty one year they're fairly incomplete because he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, and twenty nineteen. Um, or sorry, not twenty nineteen, but twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. His stats on the road are considerably or are like are better than his stats at home. And I think that's mm-hmm. interesting when that happens when a, with a player because Baker kind of had that where he would go on the road and that would actually get him more fired up because he had that – there was that chip on his shoulder like, oh, the, right. the crowd's booing me. They hate me. They don't want to shake my hand. They don't want to – all right, I'm going to come out and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to complete 70% of my passes and, you know, throw for 300 yards. And yeah. so I think – I think that um, I think that Dylan's going to have a lot of that. I mean, if you look at his 2020 splits, um, home he was about a he was a 57 percent completion guy, uh, 11 touchdowns, uh, 142 quarterback rating. On the road, he was a 62 percent completion, mm-hmm. um, average 9.2 per throw, 21 touchdowns, a 165 uh, QBR. So. Um, I think I think he's going to bring that that same chip and that edge that that Baker kind of had, where he can go on the road and those those types of situations, those hostile situations, don't scare him. They they kind of fuel him. Yeah. No. And I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be the first time a a transfers come in and just absolutely dominated Baker, Jalen, Kyler, all three of them transfers. So um, definitely some similarities there. But just just in terms of like, you know what he brings to the table that we haven't seen before is obviously the coherence with the, the Levy offense since we, you know, new OC, um, but a system that he's really familiar with. And then just, th- this is something I found interesting. I just kind of compared his 2019 stats to the 2019 stats of Jalen hurts when he was here at OU. So, I mean, 236 yards to Jalen's 237, 60% completion to Jalen's 70%. 3,600 yards to Jalen's 3,800, um, 29 touchdowns to Jalen's 32, and then only seven interceptions where Jalen had eight. Um, so, I mean, Jalen Hurts' stats obviously slightly better, but you're talking about in a system that was super conducive to the pass offense, obviously having C.D. Lamb and Charleston Rambo as targets. So, Dylan Gabriel's yeah. already putting up amazing numbers that kind of, I mean, obviously aren't stack up to that of a guy who was a Heisman contender um, and now you're going to put him in a better program with better receivers and an offense that he's familiar with um, I think you're looking at a guy who could be you know really really be something for sure definitely now one thing I got to say I don't like I, I think I think if you're looking at statistical comparisons you can't use completion percentage as a comparison when comparing quarterbacks from other schools to OU under the, under Riley's offense, because I mean, we ever had crazy completion percentages under, mm-hmm. under Riley's offense. Um, I mean, Spencer Rattler 2021 was 75% completion. He got benched. Um, he was 67.5, 68 the year before that. Um, you know, Kyler was right around 70%. Baker was right around 70%. Jalen, yeah. 70%. So, I mean, those offenses were built for quarterback stats. 
I mean, they, right. were, they were built. You were going to have a high completion percentage. You were going to have a lot of yards. You were going to have a lot of attempts. Um, you know, it's it just kind of built that way. Every other stat, mm-hmm. though, yes. Dylan Gabriel looks like he's going to be every bit of the player that, um, you know, obviously different, but every bit of the player that, that Jalen was. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think, I think it'll be a lot of fun to see, to see what he's able to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, like to your point on the completion percentage, I mean, obviously Jalen was like 70% is like amazing. That like, that's like batting 500 in oh, yeah. baseball. Like that's the standard for, you know, being a great quarterback. So him being at 60, I mean, that's no, you know, that's he's not like a chump for throwing. 60 no, not at all. I mean, that's, that's great. Um, so obviously, you know, being in a place that's going to be, um, that's going to be structured around that type of offense, he's going to do even better. So definitely. The, on, the only thing I think that we'll need to watch out for with him, um, just because I'm not sure how he's going to adjust is to playing more elite defenses. You know, mm-hmm. obviously we, we won't be playing, um, we won't be playing SEC caliber defenses this year but you're still going to go up against a Baylor team that has an elite defense an Oklahoma State team that while it's not going to be as elite as last year is going to have a fairly elite defense um playing against those and then then just like playing against Texas where maybe their their coaching is all out of whack but it's still all four and five star guys that are playing on the team if he's able to adjust to that change in pace um, without having maybe some struggles the first – maybe the first couple elite matchups that we have in the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm I'm fully willing to compare Baylor and OSU's defense last year to an SEC defense. I mean, they were – they were good. They were really oh, good. Oh, yeah. I mean, with the exception of, like, Georgia. Obviously, that was a historic defense that they had. But, I mean, yeah, Baylor's defense is, is good. Um, so moving on, um, let's just talk about how he kind of stacks up against other QBs at the powerhouse program level. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you're talking, we're up there in the tier with Bama, Ohio state, Georgia, Clemson. Um, I'm not going to say he's going to be better than Bryce young or, um, CJ Stroud. They just had amazing years. So I kind of want to leave him out of that category. I mean, I, I just don't want to expect him to be as good or better elite they have been. Um, but, I mean, if you're talking, you know, Stetson Bennett from Georgia, whoever's going to be his replacement coming in next year, and then DJ Uwele from Clemson, um, I think he's hands down going to be better than either one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, it's when you say better, it's kind of – that's really a leading question. I mean, obviously Bryce Young is amazing. He's – probably the favorite to win the Heisman again um, with the way Bama's offense is structured. Um, And then CJ Stroud is a, is a close, close second because he had an amazing year. And again, Ohio state is one of those teams that has an offense that's just built to produce numbers. Um, Yeah. I don't know that Stetson Bennett was anything special. He was what Georgia needed with Mm -hmm. that crazy defense to, to be able to, beat Bama that's really because I mean the the defense beat every other team all the only team the only game that he really had to 
that the offense had to step up and, and really perform was against Bama. Um, and then DJ with Clemson, I mean, Clemson's offense kind of had a, they had a bit of a rough year and obviously Georgia completely shut them out. I think they scored a, a field goal. Um, yep. The so I, was 10 to three. Yeah. 10 to three. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're talking about with Georgia and Clemson, I, I think, I think Dylan Gabriel is probably going to perform better than those quarterbacks. Um, obviously I would say he's for sure a better quarterback than Stetson Bennett. I'd say probably better than DJ Ungalele. Um, but I think, I think he'll do well for us. I definitely mm-hmm. would not put him in the same category as a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud though. Right. Yeah. I feel the same way. Um, yeah. So just like, kind of last thing um who would your nfl comparison for him be because my mine would be you know obviously everybody talked about baker being a russell wilson build um i think it's going to be kind of same story for for dg very russell wilson-esque i don't like that comparison i didn't like that comparison for baker because russell wilson was a the, the russell wilson comparison is kyler murray because they're both freak athletes they're both they're both small but they have they have crazy arms like i to, to me, the Russell Wilson comparison, the only guy who really fills that shoe is is uh, Kyler. I would say if you're looking at a shorter quarterback that has some mobility, obviously he didn't quite as much later in his in his career, but I would say more of a Drew Brees type. Um, mm. As if you're if you're talking about a, a recent guy, I would say more of a Drew Brees type. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean uh, the the differences between Rose. I, I feel like Kyler is in a completely different category, though, just in terms of his mobility than everybody well, he else. Is. Yeah, I mean he's he's a freak of nature athletically, but I mean Russell Wilson, especially early. I mean he was he was no slum. Like he, the dude was an athlete. The dude was a, a, a complete athlete. Yeah. And I don't think that really – I don't think that Baker and um, and Dylan Gabriel are really on that same level. I think they're they're not as good of athletes. And so that comparison, just because they're both they're, – they're shorter quarterbacks, I, I think that's kind of a – kind of a not, – not, not a super good comparison. I think Drew Brees is probably better for a Dylan Gabriel type. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yep. So that'll, so, mo- so moving on last thing, um, that'll move us into our take it or leave it segment, which we have dedicated to making about Dylan Gabriel this episode. So got a couple, got a few different names here in terms of quarterbacks that are kind of relevant to, um, OU this year or in kind of the same category as Dylan Gabriel. So I'm just going to throw out some names, tell me whether you'd, uh, take Dylan Gabriel over them or not. And then I'll give you my answer. So first one. Obviously, Caleb Williams. Uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm leaving it. I would, I would take Caleb over Dylan. Yep, I, I'd say the same thing. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, but obviously, it's not how. It should. I mean, if I like analytically, like just looking at it from like a player standpoint, obviously, Caleb Williams, yes. But there is something to be said about a guy wanting to be somewhere. Um, Oh, definitely. It definitely has a huge impact on their level of play. So, yeah, 
but I mean, if you're just talking straight talent, like yeah, yeah it's Caleb, and it's I, it's not particularly close. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Second name, Jackson Dart. Um, I'm I'm taking Dylan Gabriel. I'm taking uh, I'm taking the experience, and I'm taking the. Uh, I mean, we really didn't we really didn't get to see um, a whole lot from Jackson Dart last year, and when we did, eh. So I yeah. would I would probably I'd probably take not even probably I would take Dylan Gabriel um, skill and experience. Yep. I, yeah, and it was definitely the first thing that came to mind when I, the talks were of Dart coming to OU, especially with Dylan Gabriel being there. I just I, I didn't see him beating him out like. To produce that consistently for that many years at a school like UCF in a con- like the American Conference, um, is is pretty strong. Like you, I mean, you see a bunch of teams are about to move up to the Big Twelve. So I mean, he's he competed against good teams at a really consistent level. Um, so I mean, I think him over Dart is pretty obvious. Um, my third name, Quinn Ewers from Texas, transfer Again, from Ohio I'll... State to Texas. Yeah. Yeah, again with this one, I think I'm gonna go with. I'll take Dylan Gabriel just because of the experience. Um, I think mm-hmm. especially with a new coaching staff coming in um, and and a completely new system, you want a guy leading the team who's been there before. You don't want a yes. freshman. You don't want a freshman quarterback playing with a freshman system under a freshman coach. Like it's just that's that inexperience is going to breed mistakes. You need some guys that have some familiarity um, that have the composure and that are tested to yep. lead your team. So I'm taking Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. It, it's a whole different game than high school ball. And the crazy thing about that is I should just show you what, what these rating and what all these, you know, old guys that, you know, hardly know what the hell they're talking about. Quinn Ewers is like, I'm pretty sure he's the highest rated quarterback I've ever seen in a high school class. He was a one, not a 0.99, a one composite rating. And I still don't believe he's going to be able to show me anything that I wouldn't be able to like the Dylan Gabriel can't do. I I just, yeah, man, I'm, I'm taking the experience and the, the consistency that uh, he's had throughout his career all day long. Um, I mean, obviously for us, we're hoping Quinn Ewers is going to be bad. We're gonna have to play him once, maybe twice, depending on how good Texas is. So, All right. But yeah, I'm taking DG. Uh, fourth name, Spencer Rattler. This was, I think, the toughest one on the list. Um, obviously, we were really tough on Spencer last year, and it was it was probably I will say that was that was maybe a bit of a of a low point for Sooner Nation. Yeah. Um, was because I think what we found out was it wasn't entirely his fault. And Caleb Williams had to do crazy superhuman things for us to have, for for us to have the success against some of the teams that we did. Uh, I mean, he he did things that no freshman, especially no freshman, but really no quarterback should have to be asked to do. Um, I mean, the, you know, everything the comeback win against Texas, the stealing the ball, out of uh, out of Kennedy Brooks's hands to go make the fourth down against Kansas, like he just had to do too many things that were just like outrageous. And so I think we were unnecessarily harsh on Spencer because the offense wasn't performing as it was previously. But I don't, I honestly, I don't think it was his fault. I mean, if you look at his stats for what he did play in twenty twenty one, 
they were good. I mean, high completion percentage. Um, he had, he was a little bit higher trending on interceptions than normal. Um, mm -hmm. I think Spencer Rattler does have one of the most talented arms in college football. I arm strength yeah. and, and arm talent. I would definitely put him above Dylan Gabriel. Obviously he's not, he's not as mobile. Um, and I don't think he's as good at making plays um, when there's nothing there. I think that's why we had to bring in Caleb. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take Dylan Gabriel just because again, we're, we still have questions about the offensive line. It's a new system. Um, Dylan Gabriel's got more experience. He's got more familiarity with the system that will likely be put into place. Um, that's the only reason I'm taking Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. Pretty similar. Um, all the Spencer Rattler, I guess not showing kind of like a failure to perform. We expect them to, but um, I think it was a bit of an overreaction. Obviously, it wasn't. But, you know, we've seen not what I think his, but we've seen how bad he can be when things aren't going his way. And like you, obviously it's a brand new system that Dylan Gabriel's shown he can be successful in. So I think I'm taking DG as well. One, just a, just just kind of a random one that I threw in there, just because he's another you know QB that's up in the top ten. Um, but Caden Slovis from Pitt. Yeah, so I actually had to. I had no idea who this guy was until you sent sent over his name, and then. Uh, so, yeah, I guess he's the quarterback at, at USC now. He transferred over to USC. Um, mm -hmm. or, or, or did he transfer from USC to Pitt? I think he transferred from USC to Pitt. Gotcha. So he's taken yeah. over uh, for what's-his-face, the dude uh, – who was the Kenny dude Pickett, who was yeah. the quarterback at – Kenny Pickett, yeah. Yeah. Stupid-ass name. Yeah. Um, he sounds like he plays a banjo. It's I don't like I don't like his name. Uh, he was good though. He was good. Oh yeah, he was good. Uh, but but fuck his name. Change your name. I don't like this dude's name either. Keaton Slovis. What the fuck is that? Um, <laughs> it's it's Keaton. Spelled incorrectly. Whatever. Um, anyways, looking at his stats, uh, you know, I mean, he had decent i didn't really know who he was obviously he played at usc so there's no reason for us to know who he was because they haven't been relevant for 15 years mm -hmm. um i'm taking dylan gabriel i don't see anything from his stat line that looks like outrageous i mean he had it looks like he had a, a really good 2019 um really good numbers but i mean obviously i, I didn't know who the dude was he transferred away from usc to go play at Pitt, which is not necessarily like an upgrade so i i would stick with dg yep same thing for me um yeah i'm not even gonna that's exactly dg so, i mean that, that's one we can definitively say we and that's He's yeah, well, I think he's the one quarter. He's USC. the one quarterback in the in the country that just about any school would be like. I mean, I, literally outside of Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, 
I, I think any school would go, yeah, we'll take Caleb Williams. Oh yeah. For I, sure. like, for sure. <laughs> and I don't even know that, I don't even know that maybe like, you know, I'm with him being so young. I don't know that they wouldn't necessarily take him at one of the other yeah. places and be like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take you and we'll let you guys battle for the spot and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what's unfortunate about it is, I mean, had he stayed at OU, I really think he could have been, um, I think it could have been a really cool thing where we have Bryce Young doing his thing at Alabama, CJ, Caleb at OU, grinding it out um, for that Heisman Trophy. Um, that would have been such a cool race, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be USC. No, not at all. Yeah, but then, uh, so last segment, go with lay the odds. Got a couple of different things here that we're gonna, that we're just gonna guess the odds. But just kind of share what we think the odds are on that particular thing happening. First one, we leave the Big Twelve before twenty twenty five. And we're 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 guessing what the odds are. Again. We're gonna so we're, like, we're we're just saying what we think the odds are that that happens. Yeah, I would if I was betting on it, I would give that a like plus like five or six thousand. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we leave the Big 12 until Texas is ready to leave the Big 12. And I think both schools want some time to beef up their teams a little bit before we have to go go play in the SEC. So I don't – Yeah. I, I don't think – and I especially Texas, even if we maybe feel like we're ready in a couple of years maybe to do like a 2024, 2023, or 2024, um, I think that Texas is going to be like, hey, let's – Let's wait a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm personally the same way. I think most people think that it's more likely to be sooner than later, but I, I I'm with you. I think I think we use that full that full period of time to build and do what we need to do and get our P's and Q's straight um, before we move into the SEC. So I'm 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 gonna say like, yeah, I'd say so, like so maybe like plus three thousand range um but i think it's i think it's definitely more likely that we use our full length of time we have in the big 12 before we transition yeah i i I think this is especially i mean obviously we're going to make plenty of money when we move to the sec but i think the transition time OU doesn't necessarily need the money it's not like we're hurting it's not like we're hurting for cash so i think we'd rather go in and be sure that we're going to be competitive rather than go in before we're necessarily ready. And I think Texas is thinking the same thing too. I think that's part of the reason why they, you know, they're, um, they're, they're bringing in the staff they, that they are. They're trying to put together the recruiting classes um, so that they can go to the SEC and be competitive versus just going and getting their shit kicked in. And then you end up, you know, Missouri. And then yeah. it's like, okay, well, we should have just stayed where we were at. Yeah. Which, I mean, I – I don't, I don't see that happening, man. We're just – the program's just too strong. Um, but my second scenario, and this one, this one required a lot of thought for me, but uh, the, the second scenario is OU having a top 10 defense this year. Top 10. 
I'm I'm gonna give the, I, like I would need astronomical odds to take that bet. So I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say ten thousand to one, just because top Ooh. ten de- top ten defense. First of all, you're playing in the Big Twelve, which still is a fairly even though the defenses are getting better, it's still a very offense heavy league where mm-hmm. you you win by scoring points. You're not it's not the Big Ten um, where you you know it's just a bunch of you know, 10 to three games. Um, and I don't know that you could, I, I don't know that you can make that kind of a jump in one year, even with a phenomenal coaching staff change. I think probably more likely is that we'll end up in the top 25 defenses. I mm-hmm. think that's, I think that's more realistic. I'd probably take those odds at like, at like plus maybe plus three or 2000 somewhere around there, but, but top 10, I just, I think we have a, we have a little bit to go before we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I went a little bit lower than that. I mean, the odd, like still very, very low, or I, I guess, you know, high return on that bet. I went, I went plus 6,000. Okay. Um, It's one of those things where I don't, I definitely don't think it's impossible to turn around a defense in a year, um, especially from the point that we were at, because it's not like we were terrible. I mean, last year we were acceptable, I would say. I mean, that that's that's the only way I would describe it. But I mean, our, our, to me, our best unit was our defensive line. Um and then obviously we're going to have a way stronger linebacker core, hopefully much better coach secondary with more talent. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say plus 6,000. I think it's unlikely that we're in the top 10, but I don't think it's impossible. Um, but that's, yeah, that's really all I have to say. Yeah. I, I'm, just, just, I'm, I'm definitely such a more big... optimistic. I'm, I'm definitely a more optimistic person when it comes to, comes to that stuff than you so makes sense why there's that gap I mean it's just for me you just have to look at where we were last year and I mean yes the coaches the coaching is changing but it's still I mean we were in total defense one two three four I mean we were I mean god what is that 50th yep at least we're not something like that at least we're not a hundred and seventh or whatever it was. I mean, I mean, it was not great to, to get all the way up into the top 10. I mean, in one season, that's just, I don't know, but I mean, Hey, I hope we can, I really hope we can, but yeah. uh, the good news is the stuff from last year doesn't carry over, um, you know, completely blank slate. So back to, back to square one for the defense. But I, I, I think we, I think it's possible. I'm not going to sit here and say it's likely, but I think it's, I think it's for sure possible. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, guys, that's, that's going to do it for episode seven. We don't really have anything more. Um, thank you to everybody that's been following us and uh, engaging with us on Twitter. Um, definitely be sure to check out the rest of the episodes. If you haven't um, anything else, man. That was deep. That was a deep ass breath. <laughs> uh, no, man, I don't got nothing. All right. Well, yep. Take care of yourselves. We will. Uh, we'll see you next week. And boomer sooner. Boop.
on the sauna. Peace.